Survivor manages to always get interesting people on. And we have seen here on the podcast that they are interesting people in real life, too. They're not just good TV characters. Uh, this week, we have a extra special guest from Survivor, Cal Rong, a couple seasons back. Brains vs. Brawn vs. Beauty. Uh, Joe Del Campo, one of the oldest survivors in history. He was 72 when he went on the show. I believe he's tied for the oldest with Rudy from back in the very beginning. So it was pretty special to have Joe on. I mean, he has a background in the FBI, um, private investigator. He has a hard to hear, but also inspiring family story. And he's just a guy who seems to really love living life. And I think we just started to scratch the surface of it here in this episode and it was still really great he had so many great stories and great survivor stories and life stories and just a lot of fun to talk to and uh yeah we're three for three man three three great survivors have come on to join us go back and listen to episode 41 with sunday burquest uh, episode 44 with michelle schubert and you can also find episode recap podcasts with michelle and sunday from last season Sunday joined us towards the end, and Michelle joined us for the finale, post-finale. So there's just, uh, we've got a lot of great Survivor content, and it's just going to get better. So speaking of content, we have a movie podcast coming up. If you listened to last week's episode, you know all about it. It's going to be me and Sam Hensel, who first joined me for the Top 10 TV Characters of All Time episode, episode 60. And you know him as as the guy who, for some reason, put together a 400000 song bracket to decide the best song on his spotify uh whatever anyway sam and i are working on a new podcast where we watch each film in a movie director's filmography and if you listened last week we got it down to guillermo del toro and denis villeneuve for the final two and as you're hearing this the vote is live on twitter so follow us at foxworthypod and go vote for either Denis Villeneuve or Guillermo del Toro. Villeneuve, my choice. Del Toro, Hensel's choice. So go check that out and check out our arguments. We each wrote something up on Friday. Uh, Del Toro's Labyrinth is Sam's piece. Mine is Vote Villeneuve 2049 in honor of Blade Runner 2049 coming out this October. And as we've mentioned, Del Toro has a movie coming out in December called The Shape of Water. So whoever you pick, it's going to build to something. So it's going to be exciting. Make sure you go vote for that. And I think that's all. I had a lot of housekeeping today, but we uh, have this podcast with Joe. We got the movie podcast coming, so go vote. We got movie writing and TV writing on Monday and Fridays. You can check out some of our past week stuff. I wrote about The Big Sick a couple weeks ago. I wrote about Game of Thrones a couple weeks ago, although, you know, we're three episodes in now. So, you know, a nice uh, snapshot of the past, I guess. I wrote about the premiere, but what else? Wrote about Tom Hardy, and obviously we got those arguments, Del Toro versus Villeneuve. So there's just tons of great stuff. The foxworthypodcast.com is where you can find it all. And make sure you follow us on Twitter at foxworthypod, or else you won't be able to vote, as I mentioned. Go to iTunes, rate, review, subscribe. And uh, I should not take any more time away from Joe, because this is a great one, and you're going to enjoy it. So that's it. That's all I got. Hit it, Levi. Welcome to the Foxworthy Podcast. We are back. I am Taylor Gaines. We have a Survivor interview coming up today to uh, tack on to some of our previous episodes. You should go back and listen to episode 41 and 44, definitely, with Sunday Burquest and Michelle Schubert from uh, Survivor Millennials vs. Gen X. But this episode, we have a guest from Survivor Cow Rung. That's season 32, the Brains Brawn Beauty. Back in the day, the uh, the Aubrey season, we could <laughs> we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that a little later. But yeah, we have a special guest. He was 72 when he went on the show. FBI agent, all around, just awesome guy. And I think he's a fellow Floridian of ours now, from what I understand. It's it's Joe Del Campo. How are you, Joe? Hey guys, good evening. How are you? Yeah, we're doing good. And Ty Commons is here. He's back. He's he's back to join us again. How's it going, Ty? 
Oh, good. It's good. It's always nice to get some uh, survivor talk during the off season. So I'm excited to uh, talk to Joe, meet Joe, and find out a little bit more about what's going on with him post show. Some insight into the game. Joe was one of our one of our favorites a couple years ago, just because he seemed like he, he seemed like he was just fun to have around. And uh, the way it was edited, it was like, oh man, he just keeps sticking around, even though people people don't necessarily. I mean, he had his allies, but it was sort of just like it, it never seemed like people were uh, trying to help him out that much. And he ended up getting medically evacuated. Actually, Joe, I'm going to read you the description that uh, sur- the Survivor Wiki page online tried to sum up your game. I want to hear your response to this. They said, this is the two sentences they wrote. Joe was generally under-edited in favor of the larger strategic personalities in the game, being shown as curmudgeonly in his spotlight moments. His run came to an end when he gorged excessively during a reward resulting in a urinary tract complication that necessitated his evacuation. Well, that's the sink, isn't it? <laughs> Does it sound fair? Do you like the word curmudgeonly? <laughs> hey, hey, uh, you guys know it's all in the editing because think about it now. Those cameras are around 24-7. You have a, a show that's an hour show, but in actuality, you're only on for 80, 40, 48 minutes max. And in that, they have to fill a week's worth of filming, get the highlights, and show it to uh, the viewers, and of course, pick what they feel as though is the most interesting or challenging or whatever for that week, so that we keep coming back and viewing it week to week. So, um, where there's scenes that were not shown about me, yes, there were deleted scenes, which uh, you were able to pick up actually on youtube and all during those weeks they were deleted or what they call secret scenes that were interviews that did not appear on the live show but you were able to see them uh for instance uh, and i don't want to get ahead of myself if you want to talk later on uh about when i won the challenge and uh they just showed a very small part of that but there are actually deleted scenes probably Four other ones, me in the bathtub, me wearing the kimono, uh, <laughs> me popping the cork of the champagne. Three different ones that you never got to see that were, you know, a minute or so inland, which, again, you know, it's all about the editing, guys. All about the editing. Yeah, that was one I, I saw, actually. I, I did see the one with you in the pink bathrobe and the, and the shoes and everything, and it was... <laughs> That was that was pretty good. That wasn't the reward that you ended now, up getting sick that, after, right? Taylor, 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 that's the kimono. It's not a bathrobe. It's okay. a kimono. It's Japanese <laughs> kimono. That wasn't the one and, you got and, sick And after. the other thing is, yeah, that was it. That was the only challenge I won oh. was, uh, was that challenge, uh, you know, for the spa day on the beach. And that all was part of that, you know. So anyway, uh, we, I guess we can get to that if you want to, because that's later on as you know, late into 33 days into a 39-day challenge. I almost made it to the end. That meal was what I call the million-dollar meal. But anyway, <laughs> it was good, but it didn't taste like a million dollars. <laughs> Actually, before we get into it, the first thing I wanted to ask you, because this has bugged me since the season ended, and, and you can respond however you want, but I am a, a huge noted Aubrey fan, and I feel like she was robbed, and I still don't understand how Michelle pulled that off. So can you just like state on the record that, that Aubrey should have won that season? My season, Aubrey and I, from day one, we, we were a partnership. And as you guys know, I was loyal to the end. Watching her season that basically was just the season before this last one, right? Mm-hmm. If we're going back to, to our season then, I like both people. Both people were wonderful people. Michelle came on late, so to speak. She had aligned herself earlier on, basically, with Julia. And then Julia turned out to be a flip-flopper. And we had our suspicions, those of us who were last about Michelle's loyalty and, and all that. Well, of course, you know, she made it to the end. And, of course, when I had to leave because of my malady of having all that beef inside of me, there were plans basically between Aubrey and myself about what and who we thought we wanted to bring to the end. And, of course, that fell apart because I, I left. And then as the chips fell and Michelle, uh, she did excellent with the challenges and everything like that. And I guess in the interim and during the year, uh, I mean, I'm not the year, but during our time on the beach, apparently Aubrey, you know, had rubbed some feathers wrong. So, she didn't get the votes and in the end michelle did and you know what that's just the way the cookie crumbles because it could have been that michelle might not have been there had i not left the beach and the whole thing about survivor 
is you could have all the plans in the world, and in a moment, just quickly, it all turns to you-know-what, and then all bets are off. We've had our share of survivors on here with Michelle and with Sunday, and you came in. And I'm just wondering, what was kind of the mindset you came in? Because, you know, some of them, Sunday talked about how she kind of wanted to be aligned in a group with some dominant characters out in front of her so she could kind of hide behind some votes for a little bit and you know play her cards that way obviously you came in as a fitness guy an older guy did you have sort of like a character archetype you were trying to play to or were you just joe out there i was joe out there for well for one thing the old guy and as you know from watching all the probably Survivor episodes that you have seen, the hundreds of them that were on, that if the old guy or old gal started mouthing off, they went pretty quickly because the younger folks, they didn't mm-hmm. want to ha- handle that or deal with that. And I think that was the kind of, in my mind, my mindset was, hey, you know what? You're going to have to kind of keep under the radar. If you try even diligently or even with your negotiating skills and all that, uh, they might just see you as being somebody that, wow, he's too strong, he's too this, we need to get rid of Joe. So from day one, Aubrey and I kind of made a pact together that she was going to be the field lieutenant, so to speak. She was younger, she was bright, she was sharp, she was a woman, and that she would make the contacts and kind of I would hang in the background, we would talk it over uh, after we'll say that she got together with some of the folks and tell me what had happened, whatever intercourse had happened and, and social intercourse uh, had happened. And uh, that's the way we played it. Now, I got, I guess, chastised by viewers saying, well, hey, he never did this and he never did that. Well, that was the plan and that's the way we kept it. And as far as I was concerned, you know, I made it pretty deep into the program. It might not be with purists. Uh, survivor fans would say, well, that's not the way you play the game. Well, that was the way I played the game. That's what I had to have in my head because I didn't want to basically get kicked out because I was vocal. And I can be, believe me, Mm -hmm. I can be pretty much, you know, uh, uh, not so much in your face kind of guy, but pretty strong personality. And just like that time with Peter, when I got in his face, poor Aubrey that day, if you had seen her off camera, she was like her hands or her face going, oh, my God, what's he doing? Because normally speaking, that's not the way he played the game. But I had heard through the grapevine that Peter was trying to get rid of me. He was going to get rid of me. And I went to him. And it, the thing is, too, you forget about the cameras. I mean, after first day or so, you don't even see them. So my thing was to get in his face and say, hey, are you trying to off me and get rid of me? And, of course, his eyes, I mean, they got big as saucers, Peter. And uh, <laughs> uh, he just wouldn't answer the question and, and walked away, you know. So, yeah. uh, interrogation of course, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> you don't <laughs> interrogate people. So so pretty much after that incident, then I, I really kind of just was, was under the radar. And we planned and schemed in a very, very quiet way. You talked about sort of thinking about the way previous older people had been treated on the show and speaking out and things like that. I mean, what was your background with Survivor before you went on? Were you a big fan? How how did you get hooked up to it as a cast member in the first place? Show one, I did apply, and that was with the old VHS tapes, but uh, (laughs) I didn't make it. Of course, Rudy did. Now, I did not know Rudy in 2000. And in 2000, you know, I, I was a younger guy. What was I? Uh, 57 years old, I think it was. So uh, I obviously, I was older, but I was not over 70 years old. So <clears throat> I watched Survivor for a few seasons after that and then kind of got, you know, lost interest and went on to, to other things. And then in 2014, we have the National Navy SEAL Museum right down from me, about 11 miles away in Fort Pierce, Florida, and I'm a former naval officer. So I met Rudy because my neighbor is uh, the number two guy in command there, and he made him do So old Rudy said, Joe, he said, you know, he said, uh, you ought to send a tape in. Probes would like you. You got the Navy thing going. He said, you're FBI agent <laughs> and all that. You're over 70. They haven't had anybody on since me. You ought to send a tape in. <laughs> so I did, and I was fortunate enough, and Probes uh, got, you know, to see it, and uh, they at least said, okay, we're going to start the process, which is a very long six-month kind of process with 
all sorts of applications and stuff. And then also you have to go out to California and uh, there's a whole week out there to see whether or not they really want you. And, mm-hmm. and then they make their final decision. And one thing I was told, which is interesting by one of the staff members, is that you, you can never count on anything until your feet are on one of those mats in wherever it is in the world they send you. And Jeff Probst is there. And I remember <laughs> for that first challenge, the one pushing that big boat, when they bring, bring us in, and my feet are on there. And I said, oh, my God, you made it. <laughs> You're really here. And it, it was an incredible feel. See, I wanted to see if at 70, and I was going to be 72, uh, at 71 years old, whether or not I could do it, whether I could meet the challenge physically, whether I could meet it mentally, and be able to, and CBS was interested in, why do you think you could survive with all these younger people? Uh, mm-hmm. You got to realize, first time Survivor history, the big, the biggest age disparity was between me and Julia. Fifty one years difference between our ages, and then most of the other people were at least thirty to forty years younger than me. Ty was the closest; he was fifty one years old, but he was still twenty years and a half younger than me. You know, my question, or I, I should say, my answer to them is: I said, look, I said. One of my duties as an FBI agent was as a hostage negotiator. I said I've been put in some very harrowing uh, situations, life-death situations, where you're trying to encourage somebody to give up their freedom to come out, to give up, uh, in you know, life-threatening situation. I said if I could be put in a situation like that and be successful and, and have someone surrender, I certainly could t- talk to some younger people who have sand in their pants and they're a little hungry. So they thought that was a good answer. <laughs> Joe, unfortunately, you did end up getting medevaced and going home. Like you said earlier, you had one reward and you maybe ate a little too much. At least, you know, that's what the editing kind of showed. Can you kind of take us through that process? What happened when you evacuated? Where did you go? Were you under medical attention? Just kind of take us through that. So we get there and it's an incredible reward. They have a cowboy style bathtub which, again, in the outtakes, you can see me getting a bath, and I'm saying doesn't get any better than it. Close-up yep. thing. And then to get the massage, and then to sit down and eat this sumptuous meal in my pink kimono, and uh, later on then to go to a cabin on the beach, champagne and all that kind of stuff. Well, the only problem was I ate, you got to realize, by this time, we're in starvation. I had lost 20 pounds by this time. I was skeletal. You get to count every rib on each side of my abdomen. And so I ate and ate. I'm not a big, big meat eater, but they had this incredibly delicious uh, satay on a skewer. And I must have eaten three feet of that. I don't know. Three different <laughs> And l- later on, then, un- unfortunately, there was no water to be had. Uh, it wasn't running water. You know, it was just a, 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 a hut, basically, with a uh, outhouse kind of thing there. And so <clears throat> by the time I got back to our beach, the next day and that that was a full like 12 13 hours later all that had just made like concrete inside of my intestines and everything and i was unable to move that stuff out or actually and even urinate uh so it just got worse and worse and worse the pain was uh, incredibly significant uh they tried to say we'll just drink more water and do this but it was it was too late for me so it just everything was impacted so the they pulled me off the beach and then i was given two hours for something to happen or else they were going to take me over to the mainland cambodia and i was going to be catheterized which i didn't want this was days before we were going home and i would have had to go home with a catheterization and all that and i thought no so uh, they brought me to sick bay and um, gave me some pain medication to take care of what was going on i drank probably two liters of, of water finally it got things going and then uh they gave me a clean bill of health uh, all the other systems my, my vitals were good and then you go to ponderosa so that was four days before mm-hmm. the end and then I spent the next four days at, at Ponderosa with the rest of my castaways until, you know, we flew back to the United States. Tough to be so close and have it get cut off by by some meat. <laughs> but other than changing that meal a little bit, maybe, what would you change if you were to go back and play again in, in other respects? Well, certainly the strategy. Uh, I don't think I'd be as complacent and um, I'd just give it a shot be a little different and if i got booted out early fine but you know because i had the experience of having played one time a certain way and not that i would change my temperament or the loyalty and all that kind of stuff but i would probably uh, be you know a little more vocal 
as far as uh, trying to align myself with a strong personality or a couple people, try and get a little alliance going, those kinds of things, and, and be a little more vocal. Because that was the one thing that people complained about. Well, we didn't see Joe. Joe didn't do this. Joe didn't do that. And mm-hmm. again, it was because of the editing, and they wanted to portray the show a certain way with certain characters. I mean, like Debbie, uh, as flamboyant as Debbie you know, kind of is. She's interesting. She's a character, and, and that makes makes for good TV. Or Scott and Jason, you know, we, we had bang boy during the shoot there. I mean, there was no love lost between us, and uh, we had words that a lot of them didn't even get on, on camera because uh, there were words going between us. So uh, it's real. It's not fake. It's the real deal. Then after it's over, it was a game. So you get back to real life and who we are and everything like that. So there's no hard feelings. And that was it. For me, it was it was an adventure. It was a challenge. Would I love to be able to do it again? Hell yes. Recently, it was leaked. Not the upcoming season, but the following season is possibly the youngest cast overall they've ever had. Do you think that's maybe a good move to try and draw younger audiences in? Because Survivor... As much as you love it and I love it and everyone else loves it, um, some people complain, you know, it's getting stale. Do you think sort of trying to cater to a younger audience, more idols, more tribe flip-flops, more fast-paced action, do you think that's a good direction for the show to be going in? Well, I guess the only way I would know knowledgeably whether that is a good is to be able to sit around with casting and the producers and saying, hey, what are we missing or what do you think would even bring more because the viewership now and you guys might even know more about this than me that i saw was around 9 million 9.5 million back season 32 and about that you know before that i have not checked uh, these next couple seasons that have come on uh, after hours i you know they want to maintain it, and as long as they have sponsorship that show will go on and as long as you know jeff stays because i don't think they could introduce uh, a new host uh, well he's a producer but also you know uh, host me personally i mean the younger then my chances of getting on will be zero to nil but uh, <laughs> and, and and even since me i don't think they'll ever be again uh, another person over seven years old so i think rudy and i are it i'll always be this the also ran because i'm number two nobody knows who number two is everybody knows rudy we do uh, right? god bless rudy he's 88 years so he's 88 years old. so as far as that um I'm sure it's it's being aimed at, okay, who is really our viewership? Is it the 18 to 45? No, probably now. Maybe it's even 18 to 25, 30. I don't know. They run all those kind of tests, I would imagine, to see where the real core viewership is. And um, But now will I watch it? I, you know, watch it if it's interesting and, and if the, the characters are good. And I consider us all characters uh, there. Hey, you know, if that's the way it is and that's the way it goes and are keeping up with the the times and that's what you got to do. For what it's worth, the season 34 Game Changers premiere was the lowest ratings that a Survivor season premiere ever had. I think it was 7.6 million. So maybe maybe they are reacting to that. Who knows? Yeah. You know, it's it's tough when you get seasoned people on there and uh, people who have won the million. Now, I don't know. Again, I'm not a producer. (laughs) <laughs> uh, to put people on who have won and come in first, and then the also runs after that. I don't, I don't know if that's so cool. I mean, they they did their thing, they won, they so put on a bunch of other people who have played the game again, and just n- not the ones that have won. So you know, there's not that animosity like hell. Let's not give she won them or he won the million dollars. Why should we vote for him? You know, I don't know what goes yeah. on. They, you don't, mm-hmm. you didn't see that, but. I can imagine that would have been my thought if I was on the aisle and saying, well, hell, they won the million. Why should I even you know, so, vote for them? I, don't I have know. two more questions about your season, and then we'll get into some Joe stuff. <laughs> but okay. I, the, the one thing okay. I want to ask you was, right. what would surprise people about your season? This is a pretty open-ended question, but what would surprise people who watched it, if just something they might not have known that – you on the island you feel like didn't come across through the uh, edits well you know certainly uh, again in the editing and there were more edits that did not uh, not edits but there were there were more interviews that did not make anything concerning myself i would have liked of course selfishly i guess to have uh, seen more screen time for myself but you know that's just kind of a personal thing as far as 
depiction and everything. I don't know. I think, you know, you, you sign up basically saying, look, however the show is presented is the way it is. It's, it's edited a certain way. And on, on a given day, they can make you out to be a chump or a hero. And that's just the way it is. I mean, that's, it's really a tough question because it's very subjective in nature. And, uh, I, I, you know, I thought it was a good season. It was, for me, controversial uh, as far as dealing uh, with the remnants of uh, <laughs> the Braun tribe. <laughs> those guys and stuff but it made you know it made for interesting it made for interesting television and was it frustrating ah hell yeah you know i mean we're all trying to get to the end there at least make the final three and and hopefully put your pitch in and then they would vote for you but to be honest and this is the truth i didn't do it like for the money because i didn't know how long i was going to last again because of the history mm-hmm. of old people older people um <laughs> So as as we went along and I'm getting deeper and deeper, I thought, damn, you know, maybe I got a chance to make it to the final three and working with Aubrey. And, you know, I wish I could have won more challenges. uh, uh, But uh, that didn't happen because I'm, you know, I'm in pretty great shape or good shape for an older guy. But I certainly don't have 22 year old legs. (laughs) <laughs> they're old legs and they don't go as fast as the younger people so and that was the thing about my challenge i don't know if they'll ever have that one again because those folks had to wait probably about two minutes for me to come out of the jungle and throw those bags to get into those, those holes uh but i did and i won and uh, it was a great feeling so what's your what's your next question in our uh, Survivor podcast, when we're making these during the season, we always try to have a Jeff Probst moment of the week. Something Jeff said or something he did. Is there sort of a Jeff Probst okay. moment from your season that sticks out as something that you were like, man, that was awesome? Jeff Probst moment. Um, I'll tell you, it certainly has been interesting <laughs> the past <laughs> couple of shows as far as the, those tribals and them getting up and having the discussions <laughs> and standing I was mm. like, wow. I mean, that, that didn't happen during our season. You, you, you got to realize when he's holding tribal that he knows everything's going on because everything's reported back to him about who's who, what's going on and all that. So he's in there with a loaded gun. You don't have a chance. First of all, right <laughs> the mob boss. And yeah. And also, he's got the information that you have no idea. So, of course, he's going to set you up. So if you did something during the day or said something he knows. So you walk in there and then he blindsides you in a way with, you know, kind of leading question. And then somebody else on the jury picks it up and, and well, wait, yeah, what about that, Joe? <laughs> You're done. You're in a spotlight. So a Jeff Post moment for me would be that he is just uh, he's really he's really good at what he does. I think he's fair and square when you're out there in the challenges, you know, when he's saying, hey, you know, do a little more of this. Or, uh, he made fun of me a, a, a couple times. We had that one thing where I had a spell immunity and where you put the uh, you were holding on a long rope and it was on a board and you had to start building and go back and get a, a letter and build, build, build. Well, actually, mm-hmm. I was I was on my way to winning that. I had six of the letters out of the eight. And of course, I dropped it. Then when I went and I scooped it back up, dummy me, I didn't put them in proper spelling order so that I could just reach in and respell. So, so I go and I start again, and then, then hey Joe, you don't spell it that. So, and then I'm dropping it. Well, I started laughing, and he <laughs> says, and not in a mean, he not in a mean way. He said, "You're laughing now. I'll see you at council at night." And you know, he said that out loud. You know? <laughs> didn't make the didn't, didn't make the TV, but I mean, he, he said it out loud, and I, and I just kept laughing because it was a fun thing, and that was uh, that was the one Sid one. You know, she was trying and blue man, she. Steady, steady. And had I been a little more serious about it, um, I could, because I had the ability, I, I really did. But I kind of was just having fun out there with that one. It wasn't one of those killer ones where you have to run through the jungle, swim out, get on a platform, and it's 118 degrees like the day that you know everybody went down on that one challenge that uh, you know our our tribe won. Even though it was like over 100 degrees, and that went on for over an hour the tile you know spelling immunity it it, it was relatively easy so to speak so uh, yeah it was tough the, the the heat out there was brutal um most days were over 100 degrees and that one day when we all went down the uh, cave one that was 118 degrees and that thing went on for over an hour mm. digging in the sand trying to find oh, those man. bags 
It's crazy. Let's let's get into some of the FBI stuff. I want to ask you for some of your some stories. I, I'll ask you. We'll divide it up sure. a little bit. But first, just real quick, how long were you in the FBI? I was a 25-year veteran in the FBI. I actually, I was sworn in January 25th, 1971, and then I uh, retired uh, May 3rd, 1996. So I've been out now 21 years, a long time. So you talked earlier about yep. some of the hostage uh, situations and incredible. things like that that you had to deal with. What what, what were some of the – I'm going to divide this into three categories. If, if, you have, if you don't have a story for each one, that's fine, but I'll say – most intense thing you had to deal with, the thing that turned out to be funny, or the thing that was just so crazy you couldn't believe it. And you were talking about the hostage thing. What was the most intense situation that you had to deal with? Well, I'd say intense was that day on the roof, and I'll be very quick about it. Myself and fellow agent John Douglas. Uh, John has been an author of several books on uh, serial murders and everything like that. Uh, pretty, pretty renowned writer about serial murders and all. I was on duty that night in the office from 12 to 8 to have an armed agent on duty. John came in for a regular work day. I had gotten a strange call uh, that a guy wanted to surrender. He was an alleged hitman for mafia or something like that. We went out to breakfast, so I was going to hang around. I wanted to be in on, on the arrest, and uh, we were both in a master's program at that time, and our counselor kidded about how nothing happens in uh, little old Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Well, uh, about an hour later, we... The office got a call from the Chicago Police Department that an escaped murderer who had killed two of the police officers, assassinated them the night before, had escaped to Milwaukee. He was at such and such a location. All the agents went out. We actually had gotten this guy, arrested him, brought him in the office, and everybody else was gone. And just John and I were in the office, and we're sitting by the radio room. Next thing we hear that one of our agents is shot, and the guy escaped, and he's now taking children hostage in a very upscale neighborhood. So John and I, we bolt out of the office. Uh, we left the guy in handcuffs <laughs> with uh, one of the senior stenographers holding holding him at bay, so to speak. And uh, long story short, uh, three of the children were taken out of the uh, house. He had a fourth, uh, Danny Brady, a 14-year-old boy hostage. They FBI provided a getaway car with the head of the FBI acting as a getaway driver, which is not really what you normally do. Uh, I was able to get up on a rooftop. It was 17 degrees that day. It was freezing cold. He came out with the boy. And by this time, uh, Milwaukee Police Department, FBI agents uh, have the car totally surrounded. But I'm up in the air about 20 feet or so. And uh, he's attempting to go down the driveway. I had snowed, so the driveway was plowed. So there was a big plow mound on each side of the driveway. The car's in the driveway. And um, I'm up there. And uh, again, I had been up from the night before, but it was an incredible shot. It was a very, very good shot. And at the last moment, I was behind him now. He's got the boy in front of him, and I'm behind him about 40 feet, up in the air 20 feet. So I'm shooting down at an angle. I got him in my sights, but I was afraid to shoot because I was worried about the round going through his back, through his front, and into the boy. And at the last moment, as he's reaching open the door of the car to put the, the boy in the back seat, uh, a young man slipped and fell also for a split second. He's standing there without a hostage with his gun up in the air, his back to me, and I popped him, and that was it. And uh, But it was all going through my mind, you know, in that split second, well, this is what the training was for, you know, if, if you let them get in the car, because nobody said, you know, it wasn't like uh, I was SWAT and they say, take the shot. I'm up there on my own, and there was nobody you know, saying do this or do that. So the training uh, kicked into place. Uh, I took the shot and uh, took him out of the action, and he he, he did die, the bad guy, and all mm. the kids were saved. So that was probably in my 25 years the most hairy and, uh, you know, scary. Funny one is uh, we started getting uh, women FBI agents probably two years after I was in around 1973, I think it was. Uh, however, in the Milwaukee office, we didn't have one. And what happened was they called all the agents in that were, were in a field working. And the boss, special agent in charge, says we have a, uh, a potential uh, problem here. We have a bank president's being extorted for $50,000. The bad guy wants uh, his wife to have the money and he's going to give instructions on a telephone blah 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 well there were no women in the office and for whatever his reason he picks me with five o'clock shadow and i had to dress up in drag uh <laughs> as a woman and pretend i'm i'm the 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 wife of the hostage thing so the first place we had to drive was uh to a, a parking lot where they had pay phones 
And then the parking lot attendant walks up to me, and I looked really bad. I got a wig on. I got five o'clock shadow. Makeup looks like crap, you know. He looks <laughs> in and says, oh, my God, and just walked away. He threw his hands up in the air and walked away from me. And the phone rang. I went over. I was able to talk in a higher voice back then, not now. The next <laughs> thing they said, we want you to go to Boston store. The Boston store was two blocks away that you had to walk. So meanwhile, you know, I got FBI agents covering me and I'm walking down the street with a shopping bag and $50,000 in the shopping bag. And I see a guy approaching me that looks familiar that I said, oh, sh- sugar, that's that guy. That I see him at the bar. I waved him once in a while. He doesn't know I'm an FBI guy and he's going to see me in drive. And I can't stop and identify myself because we don't know, you know, the bad guys there or if there's accomplices or whatever. Mm. So as I'm walking by, he looks at me like, oh, my God, you know, there's this guy. <laughs> And I keep walking. So long story <laughs> short, uh, there were several other places I had to go. I dropped the money. We leave in a car. I leave in a car. And then they make the arrest. So a, a week or so later, I go back to it was a bar in the neighborhood that we frequented. A lot of police officers and DEA and FBI guys afterward. And I see the guy across the bar. So I said, well, hell, now's my, my chance. So I go walking around. I get my credentials out. And I walk up to him and I said, hey, I said, remember when you saw me uh, a couple weeks ago? I was in drag. I said, yeah, I'm an FBI agent. He didn't even look at the credentials. He looked at my face and said, yeah, right. And he turned around and walked away. He probably still thinks that uh, I like to dress in girls' clothes. I don't know. That's uh, um, that's an amazing story. And uh, what, was, what was the third type of story? I guess just wanted? the wildest thing you've ever encountered, like something where you were just like, what is, I can't believe, I literally, I've been trained and I still can't believe this is happening. Well, kind of a, a funny one, uh, we'll, we'll say that because there, there's other ones I, I would have to think about, but goes along with, I can't believe it's happening. We're on a surveillance and it was a mafia kind of thing that we were watching and the, the assistant special agent in charge, a guy named Ed Best, uh, God bless him, he's deceased now, what a neat guy he was. So I was sitting, acting as the driver, and of course he's in the right front seat and we had other agents in the back, we had agents around and we're, we're waiting for this mafia beat to take and all of a sudden it looks like it's raining on the windshield i said what the hell i said it's just like one spot just this thing coming down and i i roll the window and i look up and here's a squirrel that's urinating from the branch up there it's coming down peeing on the car <laughs> it was coming down on the window so you had to be there you, you, here we are waiting for this mafia thing to happen and a squirrel pees on us so i thought that was kind of you know it kind of broke the tension so to speak <laughs> <laughs> so there were there were stories like that that here you're here official FBI you know and uh, and then a funny thing will happen or it kind of kind of breaks the tension. Yeah, let me say this, Joe. I think not only could you tell stories for days, I feel like you could tell a story about anything. You seem like you're sort of a natural storyteller. How many how many stories do you think you could that you have just in general? It sounds like you could just go on and on. Well, you know what? Uh, I I don't know if it's my approach to life and stuff as far as telling stories and or just how I view life. I'm, I, I feel very fortunate. I've had some bumps and grinds. Uh, I lost a son to drugs 20 years ago this coming uh, Christmas Eve. And his mom also, uh, she really never recovered from his death. And I lost her about 10 years ago on Easter Sunday. So, you know, I've had these difficult moments, as all of us have had in our lives, and losing people or other things happen. And I just look at life uh, that, you know what, I'm grateful for every day. I'm grateful for an opportunity to uh, just be able in the morning get up i was just 74 years old and i still work out i still you know try and 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 stay youthful in my mind in my heart and you know also in my body but the biggest thing i think for me is uh, a sense of humor i think it would be wonderful if all of us would be able to have a sense of humor and to be able to when we go through tough times get through those tough times and and look at life and enjoy life and savor life and be very, very appreciative. And, you know, I say that to other people who might be having difficult times physically or maybe with a child or drug problems, which I had for 10 years with my son, Joey, who didn't make it. But, you know, uh, you just got to hang in there. Uh, and it's just a question of uh, uh, just like on Survivor, you know, it gets tough. You just got to hang in there and keep doing it. And, and uh, you know, hopefully in the end, things work out. So uh, I, I guess it goes along with my story storytelling because I, I just enjoy people. My joy in life is really uh, dealing with people. I don't care if you're a checkout clerk at a food thing or you're 
person of a high position in the government or whatever. It doesn't matter. Uh, you're a person. I'll treat you the same. All people get basically treated the same. I don't care what nationality you are, what ethnicity you are, whatever your sexual preference is. It doesn't matter. We're all people, and we should love one another. So really? I know it kind of sounds a little soupy, but I, I mean it. Well, it's really admirable coming from, you know, everything that you talked about in your background. And it doesn't sound like it's been the easiest journey, but it's pretty cool that you're still able to view it that way and and that you're able to uh, take that away from it. Yeah, well, you know, and I'm sure you guys would probably agree with me. You don't have to look far to realize how lucky you could be on a given day. And whether you're you're out shopping or something and you see someone with a horrible uh, physical uh, impairment or something or a homeless person on the street. And, you know, we, we might not even know that that person might have been a successful person at one time. And because of whatever, they're where they are. And I use those little moments to build on how I feel about being very fortunate in life. That's what I like to kind of take to bed at night is that, you know, you had a good day and hopefully you did something good and maybe uh, change the person's life by saying hello to them or uh, doing something kind or holding a door open for somebody. You know, you never know. You never know the smallest little gesture for a given person on a given day might really matter and you'll never know it because, uh, you don't get to see the outcome. So that's why I try and as much as possible, you know, be kind and uh, loving to people as much as you can. Not to say that I don't have a temper and, you know, I can, I can just <laughs> let the next guy get all PO'd and everything like that. But, uh, you know, generally speaking, I don't want to waste any, maybe because I am getting older and I don't want to waste those moments because I have no idea how much time I have left. Hopefully a, a lot, <laughs> but I don't know, you know, so I kind of. Kind of take it that way. And who I'm knows? trying to do the best I can health-wise, <laughs> you know, to make mm-hmm. that, uh, you know. So we'll see. We'll see. Well, they say laughter is the best medicine, so maybe I laugh a lot, so maybe maybe it'll work. We'll see. I don't really have a good transition into the rapid fire questions that we're going to do because that's pretty poignant in and of itself. But I'll say this: we're, if there's anything good about life, it's talking about random, funny, fun stuff and just things that you enjoy and and just sort of trivial conversation can be good too so maybe that's a good way to lead into the rapid fire questions and plus i promise the last question it'll tie back into what you're just talking about so you want to get into our uh, 10 questions here real quick okay that sounds good all right all right first favorite movie favorite movie i just i just saw one i thought it was great uh dunkirk uh just just the other day yesterday that one was pretty good yeah, that one was intense. Yeah. Yep, intense. I agree. That was that was definitely intense. very good. All right, following up in the same vein, what's your favorite book? Favorite book? Wow. Oh man, let me think. Um, I haven't done that much reading lately, so <laughs> you kind of catch me short here. Um, I I just read not too uh, long ago, if I can say that, like the the killing of uh, Lincoln, which I thought was very very good by our guy who is now kind of de- defrocked, I guess, on TV. Next question. Cast away your closest with from your time on the show. Uh, Aubrey and then right after that, Michelle. Uh, they both have stayed with me and um, uh, Aubrey a couple times, Michelle one time. And uh, I've also, uh, we all went up to Michelle's before the show aired and it was uh, like 10 of us staying at her mom's house. It was kind of a, a lot of fun, but um, uh, they're the two. And Ty, uh, also, I get honey from Ty uh, from once in a while. You know, he's a beekeeper. But mm. that's pretty much about it, those three. All right. Does time exist? Um, I certainly hope so, because I wonder <laughs> what the hell's going on right now. This is not time. <laughs> <laughs> that question is in honor of our co-host, Levi, who's not able to join us tonight. He loves, he loves that question. <laughs> All right. Favorite social media okay. platform? I like Instagram. I, I do a lot of these little videos here in, in the mountains, and uh, if I go out to see a waterfall, I'll do my little one-minute clip and uh, my on-camera stuff, you know, from the, the career that I never really yet. Uh, I did a little bit of acting, actually, uh, through the years and things of that sort. So uh, I would say Instagram and, you know, Facebook also. Uh, but I kind of like the video stuff. I like Instagram. It's live and, uh, you know... It just I think it's full of a lot of energy and, and stuff. So I participate in Instagram. Uh, what is the worst chore? Worst chore. 
Um, well, up here in the mountains would be, and not exciting or anything like that, but uh, felling some of these trees are on, on a very deep grade and then cutting them up and it's exhausting and then uh, deforesting, so to speak. That That's my worst drawer up here. Otherwise, if you talk about around a house, uh, cleaning the toilet bowl out with a scrubber. I don't think anybody really likes that. Okay, so you've been on the earth a little longer than us from, from what we've talked no. about. <laughs> and I'm curious, is there something you're surprised hasn't been invented yet that you thought 40 years ago, you're like, oh, man, when they invent this, that's going to be great? Yeah, flying cars. Way back <laughs> when, Mechanics Illustrated probably in the 1950s had predicted that we would be all uh, in the, you know, the little flying cars, uh, just like uh, what, what was the cartoon there? Um, Jetsons. Um, yeah, the Jetsons, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that didn't happen. So maybe in the future, I don't know. You know, they, they once in a while you see these hover things and all, but I'm talking about like really. Yeah. Now, can you imagine the drivers we have today on the road? Can you imagine people <laughs> flying around? In, in I cannot imagine cars. That. I don't. I don't think so. Speaking of flying cars, what would be your superpower if you could have a superpower? Uh, I, I, I guess to, oh, I don't know, that's kind of interesting. It, it wouldn't be like a physical thing where I want to be able to fly through the air or something. Well, you know what? I guess just flying, just be able to fly, that would be kind of cool. That's always good. Um, yeah. Maybe we, we, we've all had those dreams and stuff like that. Uh, secondary to that would be, I don't know if that would be good or not, to be able to know what everybody's thinking. So <laughs> yeah, if I don't know if somebody, you want that one or not. <laughs> you know, Well, right, but you would basically know, well, hell, I'm not going to associate with that guy. He doesn't like me. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> I, but but flying would be cool. I you know I think that would be a neat thing to be able to just like a bird and just kind of <laughs> yeah, go up there and fly. Sure. And bringing us back to where we were, I guess in a it, it doesn't have to be serious, but this sort of goes off what you were talking about a minute ago. If if you had a life slogan, a mantra that you carry around that that you tell people, you're like, I'm Joe. This is my thing. What would that be? Um, loyalty. I, I'm loyal to a fault, and you can't win the game of Survivor, really, if you are loyal, loyal, because sometimes uh, this, the cards won't stack up that way, and you could be loyal and, and lose the game, you know, uh, because you, you're also loyal. But I didn't want to change my personality just because I was in a game-playing mode. So I think loyalty would, would be my one mantra, you know, that and uh, being truthful. Truthful, honest, and loyal, you know. Those sound like it's good like traits FBI for an thing. FBI Fide agent. Fide yeah, Fidel, well, FBI, fidelity, bravery, integrity. It kind of goes along with that in a way. But, uh, yeah, I think loyalty. If, if you give your word, you shake somebody's hand, and, and literally, like up here with the, the cam we have, uh, and we did another deal with the developer, and, and basically it was on a handshake, and which today, you know, unless you have contracts immediately and this and this and that, you know, I don't know if people are as honest as they were years ago or they could take somebody's word on a handshake. I don't know. I mean, I do that and I mean it. So for me, yeah, loyalty would be my mantra. Yeah. Well, this has been great. We've loved getting to uh, meet you and talk with you. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. I, I think I could I could see some of my some of our millennial listeners just complaining like, oh, why are his stories so long? But I think his stories are great. So I think they should just get over it. Again, you know, uh, every uh, age has whatever it is that makes them tick. You know, for, for me, it was what it was when I was their age and thinking, you know, older people. Hell, my grandfather, when he passed away, was 63 years old. I thought he was an old man and he was 63. Well, hell, I'm 74 and I still think I'm, I'm a young, you know. <laughs> I like hanging with the people because I just absorb their energy. It makes me feel more energized and everything. There's a lot of people my age, they, they're kind of like slowed down, and I'm going kicking and screaming to the grave. I mean, I want to, you know, <laughs> hopefully I'll be fit until the day that he or she calls me up there to the great wonderland, wherever that is. Um, but, I, you know, I mean, I mean that. So I, I don't have a problem if the young people say, well, gee, that guy's it, or he's boring. Or, that, that's fine. That's okay. <laughs> Well, we you think know, we think you're great. So if you're ever mine, if you're ever up in North that, Central Florida that. during the next Survivor season, you can come by and we'll we'll do a live podcast together. Well, I appreciate that. And if you're down Vero Beach, Florida way, or anything like that, or if anybody is down that way, uh, come the first week in November, the Navy Seal 
Woods Museum has their annual muster that's attended by about uh, seven or 8,000 people. It's a great weekend. If you want to know anything about the Navy SEALs and the history of the Navy SEALs, you ought to show up. Uh, and Rudy will probably be there if anybody wants to see Rudy, because he usually goes, uh, hopefully he'll be healthy enough to uh, make, make it this year. You have a link on your Twitter page about the Excalibur group. Did you want to uh, give a plug to that, say anything about that? Right. Well, I've been a private investigator for the past 21 years post-FBI. I'm, I'm pretty much kind of semi-retired now. I still get cases, but not as much as when I lived down in South Florida, and we're, we're doing some heavy-duty cases. Uh, one of the most recent ones was about five years ago. Uh, myself and my buddy Brad Robson, former CIA officer, we were armed security on, on a 197-foot yacht coming back from Dubai, and uh, through the Gulf of Aden, and uh, with all the pirates and everything like that, that was a great voyage. Fourteen days at sea, <laughs> armed to the teeth. The, pir- the pirates would have never known that uh, we had all these weapons on board. They would have been surprised, buddy. I'll tell you that. But it didn't happen. So uh, anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm always looking for adventure, you know. And, and I hope I am this way uh, as I go further in life, and hopefully it'll be a lot further. And uh, um, I, I met a guy last week, and real quick, he was 92 years old. He was uh, Second World War, North Africa campaign, and made it through the war and everything like that. And this guy was sharp as a tack, neat, right on the money. And I thought, you know what? I, I hope when I'm, and if I make it, that I'm, I'm like him. I mean, he was still there, still humorous, funny, neat. And I would hope that younger people appreciate the old people. Our, so much our society doesn't there are other societies where they venerate their older people you know and it'd be neat mm-hmm. if, if we would kind of start doing a little bit of that too you know respect our, our older people and not just kind of put them aside and say yeah you're old hey you know what we got a lot of experience too a lot of stuff to a lot of stuff to tell you heard <laughs> Joe's something not old he's experienced <laughs> only chronologically i'm old you're right <laughs> Well, Joe, I've enjoyed having you on the show, and it's been great getting to know you and talk to you and hear your take on Survivor and just life in general and all your experiences. So um, I've had a lot of fun. Thanks for uh, hanging out, and thanks for talking with us. Thanks, Ty. I appreciate it. Taylor, and thank you. It was fun. If you want to do it again another time uh, over a cocktail on the bar, we could do that too. That sounds great, Joe. This was really great. And thank you again for joining us. I know it was the off-season, so we just wanted to try to keep it pretty general and just let Joe do his thing and tell us some of his stories. And I think uh, I think he lived up to the bill. I think I think Joe gave us some good stuff. So uh, we appreciate you coming on, and uh, we'll definitely be glad to have you in the future. So thanks for everybody to, who tuned in, and stay tuned for the upcoming season. Survivor, what was it, Ty? What, what, is the, what are the H's? I don't even remember. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't tell you either. Right 35, now. right? <laughs> yeah, season 35. It's crazy. We'll take, be back take, in the fall for that. Take, okay. Be yeah. well. All right. Thank Peace you, Joe. Harmony. We will talk to you later. And thank you, listeners. Take care. We will check in with you next time on the Foxworthy Podcast. Have a great week or day or whatever you want. Just, just be happy, laugh, stay positive. That's what we learned from Joe. So go out and live life. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Bye. Foxworthy Podcast.